Welcome to MLD Wealth, Money Matters, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights on the market and economy. Hosted by Chad Larson, top-ranking portfolio manager at CG Wealth Management and founder of MLD Wealth Management. In this podcast, Chad shares concise, clear and authentic views on the market, helping gain greater clarity on the current state of the investment landscape facing investors. Hey guys, Chad Larson with MLD Wealth. Uh, It's December and rolling into the last month of the year, uh, it's a chance to kind of look back and and start to plan to look forward into what 2023 will bring. Obviously, 2022 is marred by a myriad of volatile events, the conflict in in Russia, and seemingly, you know, an event that we could call, you know, the great tightening uh, as the Fed has reacted, central banks around the world really have reacted to, you know, rising inflation near 40-year highs and and trying to cool that by uh, quantitative tightening or the raising of interest rates. Um, we'll get into a little bit of that and I actually usually generally try to do a um, over the Christmas holidays armchair read of, uh, of a look back and, and more so a look forward. So I'll, I just really want to spend the time here in December um, talking about what we see into the end of the year. Um, lots of key terms, you know, throughout the year, you know, as we've been publishing monthly, um, we're transitioning some of the content here to, uh, um, to a podcast as well. So hopefully that, uh, gets approved and on, uh, on your various platform systems. As many of you like to see my face, um, many of you can, uh, get away with, uh, that everyone said I had a, a voice for radio, but a face for radio as well. Um, here we go. Um, Listen, everyone's talking about, you know, recession, recession, recession. You know, we've been saying inflation, 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 and and how to position capital in and around that and, and how we've been able to navigate uh, such volatile marketplaces. Um, listen, stocks typically rally in December, uh, but this year investors have some caution. If you go back to November, October, September, you know, we've been talking about the fall, fall, how the markets, you know, could seemingly uh, you know, pull back in that regard. Um and then on that go forward basis, uh, you know, we would look to, uh, for the market to create a bottom, um, but that the bottom would generally only be signaled by, you know, a pivot within the Fed um, to, you know, stop aggressively raising interest rates and, and so that the market can start to see the other side uh, of, that, uh, of that steepening curve and allow money to flow a little bit easier again. Consumers and businesses can't spend money they don't have and and nor spend money they can't afford to borrow. Um, but here we are in um, September or December. Um, and as I said before, the stocks typically rally. Uh, listen, investors hoping for a year end uh, to a rally to bring the stock market gains uh, up after a punishing year, you know, generally have history on their side is U.S. equities traditionally rally during during the month of December, but you know, we're remaining skeptical uh, of a forecasting this rise. I think the market's got a little bit optimistic through the month of October or November. Uh, we saw uh, you know a near eight to ten percent bounce off the bottom in the S and P, um, and you know these gains would be welcomed um, by many investors after seeing you know the S and P uh, still off uh, minus over sixteen percent for the year. Uh, you know, still weighing uh, on the markets has been the U.S. Federal Reserve's actions to aggressively tighten interest rates to fight inflation, as I mentioned. Um, so 
again, December is going to be usually a good time for investors, but right now they're stuck because it's really the focus on rates that will cause the markets to go up and down in the short term. We've got another Fed meeting coming up here right away. The question uh, this year is, will the Fed raise by uh, this month will be, is, will the Fed raise by 75 or 50 basis points? And whether or not there's any dovish or uh, commentary that suggests the Fed will raise rates one or two more times next year and then call it quits. Um, so we're really looking almost body language and commentary at this stage uh, just to see when the pain is going to be over. Um, again, December is generally a good month. Um, there's a lot of fund managers, um, you know, that, uh, that have outperformed over the year, um, are buying stocks that have outperformed over the year to do a little bit of window dressing. They want the 13 Fs in their top 10 positions to look like they hold uh, all their winners. So, um, there's generally some, some of the best names will, will rally. Um, so Santa Claus could bring some presents to traders that actually show up, um, you know, over the holidays. Um, but this year, you know, again, the investors focus has shifted to the Fed uh, and at the pace at which is going to continue to raise interest rates as it attempts to bring down inflation. Um, listen, investors tend to be optimistic going into the new year, uh, but this is the Fed's market. You know, they're, they're used to you know, a couple age old sayings. Uh, the trend is your friend and, and don't fight the Fed. But now it's the Fed isn't your friend and uh, don't fight the trend. Um, so, you know, when we look at consensus, uh, investors are pricing in about a 75% chance that the Fed will raise rates at its December 14th meeting by 50 basis points uh, to that target range of 4.5%, uh, with the probability of a, of a more jumbo 75 basis point move uh, is at about 24%, uh, and that's according to CME's FedWatch tool. Um, so, you know, minutes that were released that were curious uh, from uh, November 2nd meeting by the Fed um, showed that a substantial majority of policymakers agreed it's likely soon to be appropriate to slow the pace of interest rates, um, though Fed members believe that there's a significant uncertainty about that ultimate level of how high rates need to rise. Um, another outsized increase in rates could impede the more than 10% rally. Um, in the S&P uh, since the start of October um, that was largely fueled, like I said, on optimism and hopes that inflation had peaked from these 40-year highs uh, and would allow the Fed to slow and eventually pause its uh, the most aggressive rate hike we've seen since the 1970s. Um, Fed Chair Jerome Powell uh, will speak on November 30th. Uh, he signaled that the central bank could shift uh, to smaller rate hikes next month, uh, but has also said rates would ultimately need to go higher than 4.6 um, that policymakers thought in September would be needed next year. So sharply reduced valuation for public and private firms is definitely a, a painful consequence uh, of higher interest rates and, and likely mean that the S&P um, could fall 9% over the next three months. So I, I, I do kind of have, you know, within our thesis, I think the markets were a little over exuberant in October, November. We'll take it. We, you know, we have beta exposure on and uh, we experienced and uh, participated uh, in that rally. But uh, liquidity remains very high um, across core portfolios. Um, some things also, um, you know, that we're weighing is, um, you know, it's potential, you know, other reasons to have hope. Um, first, this seasonal rally is an incredible amount of short selling uh, has been covered. Uh, nearly 30 billion in short positions since the start of the month, uh, with the largest covering com coming from consumer discretionary, healthcare, 
financials. Um, and so that's great to see that shorts are, um, you know, unwinding their positions. Um, they're trimming their positions as the market rallies, uh, as they're you know, going to incur mark-to-market losses and possibly trimming positions in anticipation of a year-end rally. So, you know, the painful double-digit decline in both U.S. stocks and bonds, meanwhile, uh, have made a lot uh, of asset classes more attractive. Um, things look pretty decent if you have a one-year time horizon, uh, but not without some potential significant volatility in the next quarter or two. Um, one of the things I, I'm going to try to is having trouble posting some of these slides. Um, so I'm going to talk to maybe pictures uh, that you can't see. I'll try one more time here to uh, um, put it up on the screen. I'll see how that goes. Um, now it's not going to work. I'll post them after. But, you know, we look past the year and rally and, and really kind of discuss, you know, why a, a recession, you know, calling a recession is going to be so key. Um, and to determining if October was a low or the low, because the markets have you know bounced back from from October. Um, so I've got five slides that I'll I'll post up uh, onto the website or attach uh, to the send out. And for those listening on podcast, uh, if you're a client, give us a call. Uh, if you're not, give us a call anyway. Um, but it would be historically unique uh, for the S and P 500 to bottom before a recession. So what we're saying is that, you know, if we are going into a recession, which I think we are, uh, I really don't see how a soft landing happens here. Um, then then we haven't seen a low. It would be historically, historically unique. You know, looking back all the way to 1957 um, and the, throughout the U.S. recession troughs um, from the start date, um, how number of months that it took to get out of them. Um, and looking at when the low was made during those uh, recession troughs, um, there was only one instance where uh, uh, the S&P didn't make a low during the recession. So if we're going into a recession, the market hasn't seen its low. And I think that's further to the kind of the commentary that uh, I gave earlier is, you know, there's there's maybe Santa Claus is going to bring some presents into the end of the year, which we'll, you know, happily enjoy. Um but I think we've, we, there's going to be a rocky start uh, into the new year. You know, corporate CEOs, um, you know, have done their best to bat in the hatches and right size their businesses and cut costs. We're seeing starting to see a lot of labor costs uh, leak out of the market, as you would expect during a, a tightening period and rising interest rates. Um, but we're not seeing a you know they you know we haven't started to see a lot of negative guidance or reduced out uh, forward looking statements and guidance from CEOs. I think everyone wants to get through this year, make their bonus, whatever whatever's left of it on the table, and, and get forward. And I think pragmatically, you could see uh, a number uh, of companies kind of come forward with uh, reduced guidance um, and cause some turbulence into the market uh, in the first part. Um, you know, recession outlook, you know, looking yield curve inversions, um, historically going back to 1978, you know, we've seen the percentage of U.S. Treasury yield curves that are inverted um, uh, are over 55%. Uh, that's a level that signals a coming recession. Um, there's one time uh, in history where this hasn't happened, but yield curves are telling you that uh, that a recession is coming. Um, recession outlook, um, conference board leading indicators, um, again, a drop uh, to the current levels uh, in the LEI, the leading economic indicators. Uh, year over year, as indicated, uh, a, a recession. 
So, you know, another data point saying this recession is, is coming in a more formal basis. Um, recession outlook, this is state diffusion index uh, mm -hmm. signaling 2023 recession. Um, this is the Philly Fed one month state coincidence diffusion index. That's a lot of gerbil and jumble, uh, but a drop below zero in the Philly Fed one month index has indicated the close proximity to a recession. So lots of things um, pointing to, I think, some obvious facts. Uh, pivot outlook uh, in a levered era, pivot not a pre-recession buy signal. If a recession is coming, the initial Fed rate cut has not been the time uh, to buy. So you know, we want to, you know, with all of that being said, you know, we look to say, you know, that, that was a pretty negative kind of path that we just talked about. Um, the stock market's a magical creature. Uh, it's something I always say we have the benefit of having future looking glasses, albeit cloudy and muddy sometimes. But, you know, the minute we wake up in January, uh, we get to look forward uh, and, and even start talking about 2024 numbers. The minute we're in 2023, you know, we start to, you know, the, the, the net present value of future earnings and visibility from companies that do have strong visibility into their earnings pictures years out, um, it gives a higher weighting into, you know, their valuations. So I think, you know, regardless of what I talked about last month, uh, I would have originally thought in September that this fall, fall and whoosh, um, you know, uh, you know, would be that, that moment where we could go all in and deploy because, you know, we'll get stocks seemingly, you know, get cheaper and cheaper by the day and still screen um, that on a recovery make a lot of sense for entry. Um, but, you know, again, coincidentally or contradicting uh, that is that, you know, a bottom uh, is going to be continued to be found, but the bottom will be when the Fed starts to pivot the aggressiveness of their, uh, of their rate hikes. Um, uh, last month, we also commented, you know, Canada came out with a 50 basis point hike. Um, and my comments were that, you know, albeit we would love to see them kind of rip the bandaid off and get more aggressive and get this over with. Um, you can't just throw a wet blanket on inflation. It needs to kind of stay here for a little bit longer, these higher rates to kind of not cool the economy down and con the, the consumer, um, you know, and, and then, the, you know, in the tank treads of disaster behind, you know, the high interest rates rolling through town um, is you're going to have a scenario where you know, the, the consumer is going to be damaged. The homeowners, you know, is is up in the air. You're starting to see a lot of weakness uh, across residential um, house prices, even seasonally adjusted. So, you know, there's a little bit more pain, but again, in, you know, in these hallowed walls um, that we call an office where we manage capital for private clients. I always said the economic data will continue to get worse. And in fact, probably the news cycle of sentiment, it hasn't even started to peak being negative. But by then the market will actually start to be surging um, because there's a, a lagging effect to how it affects Main Street, how it affects the consumer. Um, but that means once there were on the other side of this, the market is very quick to look forward through um, you know, the other side of a, of a quantitative tightening period. And I think, you know, when we get into the latter parts of 2023, you're going to start to see yield curves normalize and, and interest rates start to uh, start to come down. And that should provide um, the fuel um, for the next you know, surge and up leg uh, of the market. So regardless, if there's another 10% down from here, so be it. Uh, um, the, the reality is, is 
we're in the bottom part of the U, whether there's a little bit more to go down and it chips along the bottom before it rallies up, or we are at a bottom and we chip along for the side and it goes up regardless. You know, our outlook one year out is, uh, is very positive. So maintaining a high degree of liquidity, maintaining a high degree of confidence and conviction in deployment strategies, um, and, you know, looking at what sectors will be overrepresented in client portfolios that will continue to do well in inflationary environment, but also be positioned uh, for an accelerated growth uh, out of the bottom. Some interesting tactical things, um, you know, we've done. Um, this is kind of maybe leaving it to the end. Maybe some people will see this or don't. Um, there's a position being brought on uh, within the core portfolio uh, in the Japanese yen. It's been absolutely brutalized against a, a surging uh, U.S. dollar basket. The U.S. dollar basket won't hold forever. Um, you've started to see it slip. Um, and the yen, uh, you know, the yen's down almost 30% year to date. Um, kind of a, a value dumpster diver, um, looking at it as a, a bit of a uh, haven currency. Uh, the franc, the Swiss franc, is usually another currency that we would look at um, for for recovery, but it hasn't moved as much. So a tactical position uh, in the yen, uh, and as well, actually added a, a position in long bonds in duration. So you know, avoided the calamity of being uh, owning long bonds because long bonds are down. 25, 27% in some cases as the as the, the yield curves become inverted and interest rates have risen so much. Um, that being said, when you have a year when 30-year treasuries are down, I could pull it up. I want to see. I think I entered the position. They were they were down uh, almost 27% at that time. Um, they've done really well. Uh, so the yen is up 6% this month. Long bonds um, you know, are up 6 7% this month. So we're starting to see some tactical shifts into the portfolios, deploying some cash uh, prudently uh, at a risk-adjusted basis, and starting to see some of those thematics that we've been uh, very disciplined on um be uh be net contributors and adders uh, to the performance of portfolios uh some unrest in china um people are finally standing up people are uh, a, you know, a little perturbed they're being locked down again and so you're you know that's something we are watching that caused a little bit of concern and and panic into the oil markets uh, this week, obviously, we're, we're overweight energy. It's been a strong contributor uh, to bottom line performance across core portfolios, um, combating weakness and pretty much everything else. Um, so some short term weakness, but demand, uh, demand, came, demand numbers came out two days ago and U.S. or not U.S., but global uh, oil consumption is a pre pandemic levels. Um, you know, we're not magically flying around, uh, um, you know, on new technologies and hoverboards quite yet. Um, much the chagrin of environmentalists. Um, oil demand uh, continues to be robust. Oil supplies, you know, are dwindling, and uh, and net investment hasn't uh, accelerated with the price of oil this year because of a lot of uncertainties in, in fiscal and uh, fisc um, political regimes um, that are kind of not liking the oil so much. They need it, but they don't want it. Um, kind of a catch twenty two. So um, so a bit of a short term weakness this month. But I think those uh, those trades will continue to bear fruit. Um, doing a lot of hard work um, you know, on the service side uh, uh, of the energy complex. Obviously, the commodity 
producers have done incredibly well and there's a bit of a laggard effect is obviously capacity gets to get used up through increased activity uh, down into uh, into drilling um, but more so it takes time um, to start to push um, increased prices onto uh, your consumers especially off of you know a complete down cycle where um, service companies were, you know, was apropos and just not uh, on the table to pass costs on or increase service costs. But we're in a competitive environment now uh, as drilling is picked up. So the service is something uh, we're really looking at. Um, there will be some, uh, I think, you know, just robust cash flows and, and earning surprises uh, in that space. Uh, I don't want to continue to kind of blather on for the sake of blathering on. Um, I just wanted to wish everyone uh, a great December. Uh, for, for all our clients that are hiding down somewhere warm, I'm jealous. Um, for all of those uh, you know up here that are freezing, uh, hopefully you get to enjoy some skiing uh, through this month. And you know all the best uh, to you and your families uh, into the holidays. And uh, look forward to speaking uh, to you with you um, into the end of the year and, and into 2023. Uh, as always, if you have any questions, uh, give myself or a member of the team a call and uh, have a wonderful day. Take care. The comments expressed in this podcast are the results of work done by MLD Wealth Management. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity Corp and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord Genuity Corp beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice and under no circumstances should be construed as solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or general needs of any particular person, organization, or institution. Please do not hesitate to contact us should you want to know more about the information contained in this video or have any related questions. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management in Canada is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp. Member, Canadian Investor Protection Fund, and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.